music never gets old for me. <laughs> I gotta be honest. Um, oh, I love it. <laughs> disco babies. I, do, I do have my disco ball on in the other room, just so you know. <laughs> yes, I do have a disco ball. Welcome, everybody, to our premiere episode of Drinking Fearlessly. My name is Matt Demers, and I am talking here from San Francisco. Yay. And my name is Kitty um, Kirsten, but everyone calls me Kitty. Last name is Eamon, and I am coming to you now actually from Woonsocket, Rhode Island, which is kind of random. I just moved here. Um, but I consider myself a Boston gal. Um, so maybe just Northeast, you can say. <laughs> yeah. So you have the Northeast representing and the West Coast representing. Yeah. I did live, I am from the East Coast. I am, was born in New Hampshire and spent most of my life in Boston and Kitty and I have been friends, uh, I don't even remember, so many years now, 15 years, something like Yay. that, a very, very long time. Um, <laughs> all of it, we met due to our love of the beverage industry, and ever mm -hmm. since then, we've been trying to get a project together, and this is our first official launch, doing something alone. So yeah, here we go, Kitty. Here we go. So, I mean, I know some of you who know us, like we've been talking about this for a bit, so listeners who do not know us, this is actually our fourth go at, <laughs> at <fourth laughs> of the introduction to Fearlessly. <laughs> Kitty, do you want to start like, with that? Like, the origin? Yeah. Of what yes. July 2020. <laughs> right. Well, I would have, you know, we probably started in July 2019. I think we did. Right. Um, so, but, you know, just in short, this is Drinking Fearlessly. Um, our goal is to chat here once a week about what we're drinking and what we've learned from decades in the hospitality industry. And so that's all fine and good. I think last summer we started just with that as our singular goal, but we've had a lot of changes that have gone on since then in the world. So, you know, we got a little bit more serious, I want to say, right around the time of quarantine, right? So um, that was a big it was, moment. It was right before quarantine, actually. It was, it was I think, like, yeah. fe like late February. Yeah, yeah, we came in. Yeah, and I think, you know, what started as us just, like, kind of wanting to chit-chat about booze and interview friends, it's, I think we're still going to do that. But, um, you know, when the quarantine first happened, I know we both wanted to have a creative outlet, and then we also wanted to have a space where we could, at the very least, record our experiences and the experiences of our friends. Quarantine, I don't know. It's just, it's, I think, when first we went inside, <laughs> it had this feeling of, oh, here we are. Let's never forget these three months. And I, now we're on month four. <laughs> Exactly. San Francisco, you have to go back inside. Boston is probably going to be going back inside soon. <laughs> Here we are. So clearly, we're never going to forget these months. Um, <laughs> but I think, um, you know, we, one thing that's really important, been important to us and has emerged more and more over this time is just like how much of a toll this is taking on the restaurant business, which is our chosen family for the most part. Another really important change that has happened is that our nation, after the recent unjust killing of George Floyd, um, our nation has really started to uh, like move towards this level of consciousness and awareness. Um, Black Lives Matter has come to the forefront in a way that it hasn't in the past. You know, few movements since I guess 2014 was the first year. So that's another incredible moment that we're living through and living in. And another reason why we're coming back to the drawing board so that we can um, have like our own like fresh and honest take 
in this moment um, as we move forward with our goal, which is to share stories about food and beverage. And I think that it's trying to find the balance of, you know, keeping it light because ultimately food and beverage is something that brings people together. It brings much love, much laughter, community. Um, I just think increasingly we just felt we did not, we didn't want to come across tone deaf when all of these real things are happening all around us, you know, starting with so many of our, so many tens and tens and tens of our friends who either own restaurants, work in restaurants, Mm -hmm. are suppliers of food, are suppliers of beer, suppliers of wine spirits, all affected by this in in the domino effect. We just wanted to make sure we were giving them a voice. And then like Kitty said, when, you know, all of, all the protests have happening in the last few weeks, it made us really take a hard look at our, at our career. And we live in, you know, the beverage industry is predominantly a white male heterosexual industry. And for Kitty and I, you know, we don't, there's three boxes. I am a gay man. Kitty is a woman. I mean, there's, there's so many things there that, you know, we deal with, which, and we've dealt with discrimination in the industry many times, and it's things that no one ever talks about, but it, it definitely mm. happens. And so I just kind of making us look a little different and, and trying to be a little more, I don't know, be a little more authentic on this, where I feel a year ago, it would have been kind of easy for us to hide all of these things and kind of keep it really light and, and mm. frivolous and fun, to which absolutely I want this, we both want this to be, but I think this gives us an opportunity to talk about a whole different dimension of, of topics within the beverage industry to which I don't think we would have, I, I, I know I wouldn't have, I just feel mm-hmm. there's a lot of kind of secrets in the industry, but I mean, what's going on with the court of master sommelier right now, I mean, these things are starting to get exposed and yeah. I think it's important for us to be part of that. I, I just do. Yeah, so. it's a great, it's a fascinating time. It's an exciting time. Um, I know, you know, I've been committed to social justice since I was a teenager. I know that you have as well. And so um, having ha- living in a moment where you feel like these beliefs can um, align with everything, not just like one little corner of your personality yep. and the work that you do um, is great. It's amazing. And it's a, it's a really, it's an exciting time. So I can't really think of a better time to, to talk about drinking fearlessly and what that means for people and, you know, what that means for us. Um, I'm really excited to share the stories of the people that we interview about what that means for them. Um, And maybe even start like a greater collective conversation about what that can mean for people, how to create safe spaces in our bars and restaurants and things like that. So yeah, drinking fearlessly, man, we, we, I want us all to be able to step into a space and into a world where we can do it. Right. So, I mean, there it is, you know, we're gonna, how we're going to be moving forward. I mean, we've kind of changed format in the last few months. We were definitely were on a track um, and we have, a, we have a few episodes already um, that we taped about a month or two ago. And then we just, we really want to redo the first one and make sure that we launch, you know, launch this with this very conversation right now. But next week, well, actually, let's go back to the format. So this is what we, you know, what we really want to do is, we want to have this be a space for a lot of people in our life to come and talk about any issue they want to have in the beverage industry or the restaurant world. And obviously a lot of that will have to do with what's going on right now on all of these kind of facets we talked about. There are a lot of words that we use and we just throw around without um, really thinking about it. Um, A lot of terminologies in the beverage industry that we just readily say and forget that's not part of the, vernacular of, <laughs> of everyone else. So what we're going to keep, we're going to be doing is 
when we catch certain words that we say, like sanser, to which I'm going to talk about later today, next the next episode will be Kitty and I going over every word like that that we that we bring up that we feel is important to share with you guys, and we'll tell the story of that word. Sanser, for example, that's a region in France. Okay, well, the grape is Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, well, next week I'll probably give you a little more about about that. So that's going to be the format that we're going to do moving forward. So what we have in, in the can already, about a, you know, at this point, a month and a half ago, we interviewed our great Fred Tom, who owns a restaurant in Boston called Alcove. And we gave him an opportunity to really share what it was like right when COVID happened and how is he as a brand new restaurateur managing. So we have a two-part series with him, which is beyond fascinating because he's a really, really intelligent man. And then we have the wine words after that. So mm -hmm. we have a few episodes of kind of backtracking. Mm -hmm. Then after Tom's episode and our kind of follow-up, we'll be back on track, you know, July, August, you know, kind of talking to people today in real life. Um, yeah. So that's sort of where we're going. Yeah, very exciting. So you can kind of dip in and dip out if you're more interested in the basics of wine and cocktails, or you want to just learn a little bit more about a specific style of beverage, you can dip into those. Um, or you can meet us and join us to talk about our interviewees. Or both. Or both. Or Everything. Both. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thought about, I mean, we've done this already, you know, this is our take four of this. Um, kind of have this one down, which is probably good. Uh, so we just want to give you a quick, this episode, it's kind of a quick little introduction of who we are who and we are. kind of share a little bit of why we are talking to you. So Kitty, mm -hmm. do you want to go first and Sure, sure. Yeah, actually, <laughs> since I actually got my nickname working in restaurants. Um, so I was Chris and Kitty when I was like 22 and without any choice in the matter. <laughs> It's interesting to think about that. You are a kitty. Oh, okay. Yeah, literally. My manager couldn't pronounce my name or didn't want to try. Um, so. <laughs> uh, so I started working in restaurants before that even. So I started working when I was like 16 years old and I basically never stopped. <laughs> um, I work now on what's called the supplier side of the business working with a whiskey company, which we'll talk a lot about, um, Uncle Nearest Whiskey, um, an amazing brand. Uh, but before I did that, I did many, many things um, from publishing to public relations. But I always had to work in restaurants to help supplement my income because surprise, surprise, publishing doesn't pay. They don't tell you that in school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, secret about being an yeah, I don't even know if they can do this anymore, but like all of the free and you know, all of the free internships and like everything. Like, that's yeah, like... <laughs> so anyway, so while I was working in restaurants, I had been, I think I was still working in publishing at the time, but in 2007, I teamed up with my work colleague, Misty Kalkofen and 10 other women in Boston. And we started the Boston chapter of a classic cocktail society called LUPEC, which stands for Ladies United for the Preservation of Endangered Cocktails. Yeah, that name never gets old. I think it was still fun. <laughs> so our goal with that was to breed, raise, and release classic cocktails into the wild while dismantling the patriarchy one cocktail at a time. And that was great fun. We started out writing a blog, which turned into a newspaper column and the weekly Boston's Weekly Dig, which was an alternative um, paper, super fun. Um, and then a few different magazines and stuff. And then that mission, and that mission 
10 years later, after many, many, many rounds of presentation and rejection, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, has been reimagined into a cocktail book called Drinking Like Ladies. And that came out in 2018. That's so awesome. Oh, I know. I mean, please, thank you. It's a, it, was, it, was a, it was a long, you know, one of those things that we never really were sure if it would ever happen. It's so amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's so amazing. You've been talking about that for years and years. Very proud. Years. Yes, years. Very proud. So I also teach and present about yoga, health, and wellness, which is also an interesting thing, too, because since COVID happened, not only were restaurants affected, but so were um, the places where I taught yoga. So I've already had two studios where I teach, well, one where I teach and one where I practice to where I practice clothes. So not to be a Debbie Downer, but that is something that I'm passionate about and will continue to study and practice well. But it's something to also keep in mind is the Vicky Lusa review in, in those spaces as well, you know, also being affected. Well, I mean, like um, what, I, what I love about that is, I mean, I don't know how many years ago, but just you made it a focus to um, get people in our industry, give them a chance to do yoga and understand wellness. I think, I feel now people talk about that in the hospitality industry far more, but I feel you honestly were one of the few people on the, on the forefront many years ago of really kind of pushing it. So I think I kind of want to give you some heads up on that one. I I do. I think of you every time I, there's a lot of that in San Francisco and I always think of Mm -hmm. you, like I felt you, you really led the charge on that because you. you know, long hours, you know, we have a lot of cash in our pocket. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's based on liquor, you know, so it's a lot of partying and mm-hmm. you really helped bring an awareness like, Hey, that's fun. Do all that. But you have to balance it out with everything else too. How can I help all of you kind of manage all that? Which I always thought was. Thank on. you. Thank you. Well, it's also a very underserved population and historically and quite unfairly, you know, I don't think that that's a, you know, it's something I feel like I might've glossed over a year ago when we started, but um, how unfair it is. And this, this industry can be, you know, like for many, many years, I worked without health insurance um, right. and many right. people are working with shitty health insurance that can't afford to go to the right damn now. doctor. So all those years I, I worked in Russia, I never had health insurance. You absolutely never. did not have health insurance until Mitt Romney became mm-hmm. the governor of Massachusetts and mm-hmm. we got absolutely Romney care. <laughs> and I have like, you know, I sliced off finger here, sliced off finger yeah. there. Big from time. work from from literally working in the kitchen back oh then. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Came out of my oh pocket. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. So, yeah. <laughs> so how about you, Matt? Do you want to tell us about your So start? yeah, I um so I live in San Francisco now. I've been here for about five and a half years, um, kind of working backwards. Uh, I'm now a certified sommelier. I spent about 13 years in the wine industry, so going kind of backwards working uh, in sales and I've I've done the whole, all the the tiers of distribution. I've worked for a winery here in California. I worked for a small distributor in Boston and called on restaurants and retail. And then I worked for two importers who had called on many distributors and I had my territory then was was all of New England. So I've kind of worked the entire sales um, ladder but way back starting out, so I'm 50 and this goes back, you know, 30, 32 years ago, when I was 18, um, my parents were, my father's in the military, he's a colonel. My parents didn't go to college. I did. Um, so they didn't really understand college. They just wanted me to get a trade. Mm-hmm. And my mother, God love her, who doesn't drink, suggested that I become a bartender. And oh. I went to bartending school when I was like 17 or whatever. Oh. And that, of course, as we all know who did it, it does nothing. So but it got me a job um, when I, <laughs> it got me a job as a breakfast waiter at a holiday inn so I was waking up at 3:30 to 
to work that uh, that backbreaking shift. We bust uh, our ass awesome. and make no <laughs> money. So I did that for God knows how many months, and then I did. I mean, I've done anything. I I became you know like this a sous chef, um, moved my way to a bar back, became a bartender. You know, in, in subsequent restaurants, and then became a head bartender. Became the bar manager. I did ordering. I worked the door. So I've done a mm. good amount of of these jobs in the restaurant industry. And I did this for like the age of like 18 to 25, like all during mm-hmm. school, I paid a lot of my college. And then I like Kitty, you know, I was a writer and I was planning to go to law school and I didn't. Cause I'm like, I'm going to be a cliche and I'm going to be a bartender writer. And I did mm-hmm. do that. And then that doesn't get you any money. And then I got into <laughs> publishing and I realized wrong turn. Um, I, Ended up being a, a personal trainer for a few years, which kind of hit, like, you can only, a kid, you know, with, with the health and wellness, there's only so much you mm-hmm. can do and make. You have to move up. I ended up going to college, uh, graduate school. I became a therapist and um, ended up in a doctor program for psychoanalysis. And I, I did walk away from all of it. It was just mm-hmm. kind of caught in the medical model. Um, and then when I got out of it, went back to the arts, became a, a, a food photographer. And so back in the restaurant industry that way, because I missed it. Mm. And I'd always wanted to be in the wine industry because I always had, a, I always got it. I always, I really enjoyed wine um, in my twenties. And then an, I, an opportunity came up from a friend of mine to, to interview to be a rep and I went into it. So for me at 50, it's almost about half of my life has been tied into the restaurant Um or beverage industry. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's part of, it's part of who I am. And, you know, kind of why I stuck is I, I love school. I loved my graduate schools. I love learning. And for me, mm-hmm. wine, well, all of these spirits and beer, but for me, wine is my passion. It's infinity. We'll never, we'll never learn it. <laughs> You'll never figure it out. And that is so wildly attractive to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, um, you know, Kitty and I have some of the similar certifications. Have we have? I have a bunch of certifications, and right now, um, mm. been studying for the French Wine Scholar exam for like eight years. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Just kind of having more fun studying it than actually really being serious. I know. Exam. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've made the thousand flashcards twice. Not just once. Yeah, you have to twice. do them again. Two thousand flashcards. I can like double set, Kitty, if you want one. Gotta do them again because <laughs> that's how you learn as you make totally. So if you forgot, you start over. So I met Kitty in the in the ladies um, mm. in two thousand seven because when I was a photographer and I was doing a a personal series shooting women in black with a long strand of white pearls against a black background this pearl series and the Lupec ladies well Misty introduced me to them and they became the anchor of of the entire series and <laughs> we really bonded not only on the beverage part but Kitty we never really talk about this but I mean we really bonded on on the on the mission that mm-hmm. I didn't anticipate when I started but with someone like you collectively we all realized what this was about i mean it was about freedom for women it was about just self-express you know drinking fearlessly like living mm-hmm. fearlessly <laughs> and just been thinking about it a lot lately with everything going on um yeah. and how we kind of want to change our podcast but i mean so you and i have kind of had this 
like social justice, yeah. equality, fairness, elevation thing going on yeah. from the beginning. Desire for it, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, and here we are, kind of, how do we kind of tie it all together? With <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, guys, actually, um, with all that said, um, Kitty, could you talk about your other podcast that you're doing with Misty? Because I think that actually ties into all this also. Oh, absolutely. So Misty, my co-author and creative partner, uh, Misty Kalkofin, um, I just, it's, I can't stress enough how funny it is that we met working in Tremont 647 when I was a waitress and she was training to be a bartender and I met her while I was finishing up pajama brunch and wearing my pajamas. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Truly, young listeners, you really never know who you meet at 23 who will still be part of your life and working with you potentially very, very closely until you're much older. <laughs> um, so we started as a companion project to our book. We started a podcast called Drinking Like Ladies. Um, and it's also hosted on the Spirit of Rock podcast network, which is our podcast home for drinking fearlessly. Um, and we started that podcast originally um, with the goal of interviewing super cool women doing interesting things, um, both be in and beyond the beverage community. And that was, again, like a super fun little podcast thing that we started. Not little. We have an amazing producer who's working with us, Chris. And see, it's not little. It's a badass podcast. Thank you. It's, it's, it's a significant thing. It's not little. Come on. <laughs> but it was an outgrowth from our book. And then right when COVID um, had us quarantining, we pivoted, insert a different word for pivot. <laughs> um, but we started working on just disseminating and sharing information about the restaurant business and different resources that we thought that our friends in the industry could use um, to get through that. So our first season, uh, we just wrapped up. So we did, I think we have seven or eight episodes. Um, the most recent one is our last one for this season. And we're going to take a break and retool. Um, if listeners do have a chance to check it out, it's with a woman named Cynthia Mallorin, also known as DJ Cherish the Love. Uh, she's an incredible woman who is a DJ, a professional DJ now, and she's talks a lot about her own healing path and um, her music has really healed her. So it's, she's a perfect transition into our future content. So understanding that this Yay. is a new normal, <laughs> we're going to pivot back to our original goal and probably talk to everybody on every episode about COVID and social justice. <laughs> there it is. It's amazing how all of this has changed your, it's you know, good. both of your podcasts, how this has changed yeah. my view of what I want to do with this. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I, I don't know. It just feels it's giving more depth than what I was planning to give it. I got to be it's honest. It's peeling so, back the layers, I think, you know, you know so, and, and why not? Right. So we kind of want to end, we did this again the other three times, but uh, <laughs> little, I mean, a little, little more like, cause you know, we're going to, we do want to kind of keep, you know, the balance of all of this. This is difficult what's going on, especially question number one. We'll kind of have the heavy hitter first. Hey, Katie, do you want to give maybe three of your top top restaurants in the world or top bars in the world? And can you explain why? Oh, my God. My top three bars in the world. Or whatever. We're in Boston. So amazing. In no, you gave three last night. So, okay. I, um, my, my very favorite bar is Eastern Standard, which is an amazing place in Boston. Um, uh, it's like a special place for me. It's a special place for you. It's a special place for Everybody. both of us. Yeah, it's an American brasserie. So if anybody's listening now, like they are actually struggling uh, to stay alive. They're in a, locked in a disagreement with their landlord right now. But so if you do think of it or if you're moved, think about them because you love them, then maybe uh, take a little peek at some of their social media and see if you can send a little note to their landlord and say, please keep this restaurant around. 
around, but I love that place. That's my number one. Okay, we'll go back and forth. I mean, <laughs> number one, Eastern Standard Kitchen, Yay. Boston, Massachusetts, <laughs> for everything Kitty's saying. Um, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of memories, thousands yeah. of memories. It was a very special place for me and my father when he had his cancer treatments and kind of long and short of it, the, the, the team treated him like family up until the end. And, you know, they'll, they'll always be in my heart because that's, yeah. that's just the way they are. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, I mean, it's for, for Kitty and I, I mean, when I come home now, that's where we go crush an afternoon with mm -hmm. 15 bottles of rosé and steak tartare <laughs> and everything else. <laughs> and just all of us, I mean, everyone are such large collective circles in the city. All roads have always led back to Eastern Standard Kitchen. So, I mean, it was just this community space in the ancient, ancient way that pubs started and old restaurants started in Europe and yeah. com completely captured that spirit in Boston and hashtag gratitude to have that in our lives. Yeah, it's been so Unbelievable. amazing. So amazing. So lovely. All right, Kitty, number two. So, um, well, now, see, I'm just riffing off of your list, but you mentioned Brasserie uh, Bowfinger, Bowfinger. Um, I guess I would say that. I mean, I'm sure the French would say it differently. Beaufin I don't know. Beaufinger. I don't know. Something Beaufinger. like that. I'll ask Annabelle. <laughs> Annabelle. <laughs> uh, so I love that one. That's just iconic. And it's on my list because it's yours as well. Um, but I love it. I, I've been to Paris a few times. It's been a long time, but I did have um, the, the fortune to be able to go to Europe several times in my life and um about 10 years ago it was probably the last time I was there and I just love that place I think it's amazing well it's I mean it's it's a, it's a Belle Epoque um brasserie I think it's something like night no either 1903 or the late late 1800s and I mean ultimately that is the spirit to which Eastern Standard um went to kind of yeah. you know to, to gather of what a true brasserie is mm -hmm. I remember we were there and this young man who's the maitre d' and he was, had just the utter professionalism and his manner and everything. And it reminded me, of course, of the GM of Eastern Standard, which is Andrew. So, I mean, it was Andrew Holden. So it was just this perfect kind of alternate universe of, of this story of a place to go Andrew. and gather and just enjoy and laugh and eat and drink. It's so great. So, yeah. Number, number two is the same for number two. For, 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 yeah. for number one, the same. Number two, the same. <laughs> I have a, I think I have a, um, I'm going to change my third. I have a thought. Can you, oh, yes, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a, a left. Yeah, go for it. I love it. I am going to pick, I'm going to go back to Boston and huh? I'm actually going to go to Somerville slash Cambridge and I'm going to pick Trina's Starlight Lounge. Oh, yes. Um, it, to me, it's these, these places, so both Eastern Standard and Starlight Lounge. It's always the referring to of, mm -hmm. as in, this is sort of like Starlight. This is mm -hmm. kind of like Starlight. This is yeah. like Starlight. I wish this was like Starlight. So thank the place. <laughs> and, you know, this is, friends of ours own it. Friends of ours run it. Um, it is yeah. one of the most down-to-earth places probably ever existed, um, ever, when yeah. it comes to the beverage industry, the restaurant industry, but I mean, high quality food, high quality drink and high quality hospitality mm -hmm. and a very, very low cost. And it's, they just do it. It is a neighborhood place. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and again, love fest when you walk in, mm -hmm. no matter how busy they are. And you just, you just know the, the people there and it's, it, everyone is welcoming and open. And as all of this hospitality, this is where, these yeah, places, it's, it's all about hospitality. 
So shout out to Starlight Lounge for me. Oh, absolutely. They're so, and the, um, they've also are such champions for social justice. Like they were the, you know, they do pride brunches, um, uh, drag brunches rather. They did the drag brunch for pride, but they do, they have the famous industry brunch that they do on Mondays, um, which is for people who work in the restaurant business so that they can actually have a brunch. And it is like the best party in town. It's kind of crazy. It feels like you know, 11 o'clock on a Friday sometimes when you walk in the door at three o'clock, the lights are down, the <laughs> totally. music's up, like whatever. Um, but they do, um, the drag brunch is always, I think it's always a big fundraiser um, for, they've done um, a bunch of them for Bagley, which is Boston uh, area gay lesbian youth they've probably changed that name to be more inclusive but um lots of different like fundraisers and um super big supporters of black lives matter and just a great place to spend your money they're always the first people right out there um you know trying to advocate as much as they can for people within their community um as well as people beyond their community who are underserved so really 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 great community there's the other Mm -hmm. word Mm -hmm. hospitality and community yeah all right, Kitty, those are my three. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I agree with you with Starlight Lounge. Is there, some, is there something else that comes to mind or are we three for three? Oh, well, there's like, I mean, there's always there's like hundreds named all of our favorite places, et cetera. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, Deluxe is a really amazing bar. If you, if you all are ever in Boston, it's right between Back Bay and the South End in Boston. A lot of my favorite spots have changed over the, over time, but Deluxe is one of those places that, um, you know, has a dive bar feel, but was purchased by a friend of mine who used to work at Rouge, which is so funny because she's like kind of my, age. whenever someone's an owner who's like my age and they own like a really cool concept, I'm like, how? <laughs> I don't feel cool enough or old enough to do that. Like, there you are. You know, she, I'm also old enough to do that. So it's like, fine. Um, but I got you plus 10 years, Kitty. So I I, I hear you. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but she's like, she's amazing. Her name is Laura um, and she and her husband, Kyle, own it. And they, you know, they really never change the vibe. Like she, you know, doesn't have a cocktail list. She has like two signature cocktails and then she has like any specials she writes on a paper plate and puts them up behind the bar. Um, so it's one of these places that seems really simple, um, but the food is actually quite excellent. I don't know if they changed it a lot over the previ- previous owner or what, but you can still get in and out of there for, you know, an entree for $20 or less. Um, definitely drinks. Like she makes a great old fashioned, you know what I mean? And she's making it with good, good ingredients. Like it's like a, a place that I think you might expect to want to need to do a beer in a shop, but no, no, you can get like a you know, a fantastic, like a Red Hook or a Boulevardier or something like that and have it made wow. really, really well. Oh, mm-hmm. like Starlight. Yeah, it's great. We love it. We all love it. Yeah. All right, Kitty, let's go to question number two. Um, okay. What is, not necessarily a signature drink or cocktail, but what was your sort of breakout yeah. beverage that made you realize, okay, this is a serious kind of an industry that's a little more, yeah, deep, deeper than I thought. Yeah. So what is the cocktail that got me into it? Um, I would say uh, the sidecar. So there's a few things. It's kind of a circuitous answer, but I have to say um, the sidecar is the first classic cocktail, unless you count the Cosmo as a classic cocktail, which I would argue that you could and should, which we'll get to in a later episode. 
that in one of our um, wine words episodes, right? But the sidecar is a cocktail that I remember going to the Franklin. All my friends randomly got into Belle de Brie sidecars. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know why or how we got there. And like Belle de Brie is like a sweet pear cognac. So um, I don't know why you would take a sweet drink already and make it sweeter with pear cognac, but we did. <laughs> And I remember it's a drink that just like, it's a classic, like it's among the most classic of classics. Like certainly it's in every classic cocktail book and it's a fantastic story, which we'll go over in a later episode. So I think it's very funny that before I knew shit about cocktails, (laughs) before I even really understood like the differences between like whiskeys and things like that, like all the stuff, you know, that you can go for years and years waitressing without ever having to really truly know. Now you have to know them, but back then you didn't really in the same way. So, but there I was drinking sidecars at the Franklin Cafe. Hey. <laughs> awesome. How about you? It's your well. What's I mean, you know, like again, I, I definitely gravitate more towards wine. So it's the the wine, like I brought up before, would be Sancerre when it's like yeah. twenty seven or twenty eight. Definitely drank wine all through college, and I, when I bartended, I drank a lot of wine. You know, like that's good. I had you know, mm-hmm. granted, it wasn't good wine. We were drinking, like I said before, we we're drinking drinking Shiraz from Australia. Mm-hmm. So big one point five you know liters of of I think Rosemont Shiraz, mm-hmm. which at that point was amazing. You know, whatever. But it was a, a friend of mine came over for dinner. He was older, he was from Manhattan, and he brought a bottle of Sancerre over. He's like, all right, it's time to really give you like the the true education about wine and it's Sauvignon Blanc and it blew me away and it was ever since then I was hooked I love that and then you know so I so in one way I've been sort of serious I mean I have been studying wine ever since so I've been I started studying wine when I was like 27 28 so I'm 22 real years into that kind of going deep now when it comes to a cocktail um during this time like it's Kitty was saying we were at the Franklin Cafe in my late 20s. <laughs> and Kitty being 10 years younger, we were definitely sharing space, <laughs> throwing that out there. And our friend Jody already knows this. And totally we illegally. <laughs> totally so, up age. Totally. <laughs> when <laughs> Eastern Standard opened in 2005. Uh, mm-hmm. Our friend Tom, who will be on the next podcast, was, was the bartender. And when I asked for a Cosmo, he, in a very polite way, um, said, hey, listen, absolutely, but I have something else that maybe you would enjoy. Classic mm-hmm. cocktail called an aviation. He said, this could be a great way for you to understand not only gin, but to get into classic cocktails And because he knew I liked history. He knew I liked to write and all kind of stuff. So he kind of like, this, there's a lot of other depth to this, so give it a shot. And there Here it was. And it became <laughs> So, and then opened up that door and then you and I met not too, not too long after. So yeah, craft cocktail. So drinking those are so good. I love All it. right. We have one more question. So let's do this. All right. Okay. So for our last question, how do you describe drinking fearlessly? <laughs> How you change your thought on that one about five times. In the I last know, year. <laughs> I know, I know. I have, but I haven't, you know, like I think, well, you know, the original goal with the podcast was to help like demystify beverage, right? To some extent, which I, you know, we'll continue to do that, like with our additional content and flurry content. Yeah. The wine words, wine and cocktail words. And then, but I also think for both of us, it's, it's certainly to take the intimidation factor out of it. And then also to, you know, something that we're seeing right now, which is so exciting is just like seeing people wanting to create spaces where 
wine producers of color and where bartenders of color, like where people are like looking at this space and trying to make it more inclusive, right? Because it's something that has shut out differently marginalized people for so long and in so many ways and just erased them from history or forgotten them from conversations, you know? Um, So I'm hoping that we can also make this a a space where like those were, we're not like governed by those rules that like don't serve us anymore. Right. Like, um, you know, why there's been so many years of just working and getting, getting along to get by in this way with like very, very, very unfair standards in this industry that kind of worked within and had to put up with and hunker down and just dealt with. And I think now we're in a social moment where people aren't really having any patience or time for that anymore. So I think to me, that's shrinking fearlessly, right? Like figuring out how to, you know, I think originally when we started talking about this, we wanted to like kind of, I don't know if we wanted to pull the I don't, cover back. Then, back then it wasn't, it wasn't much. I mean, it's always been who we are, but it wasn't, it wasn't on the forefront with us. I don't, I don't remember. At least it wasn't with me. I mean, I, 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 I feel we would have got there eventually because we always do. Yeah, but I also think that, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel like part of this whole pro- project is like a big kind of FU to the like exclusionary facets of the wine world. Like, the, right? I mean, you finished, you. <laughs> you finished your psalm exam and you were like, let's start a podcast. So exactly. whether or not you thread the needle in that way at that time, that's how I took it. <laughs> and, and I'm sure future comments will reference this. So here we go. Time to get our armor on. <laughs> I think that drinking fearlessly is something that I want people to be like, uh, uh, is drinking inclusively, right? I think it's drinking inclusively and I think it's, and that's what I'll say. Before all of this, I wouldn't have thought what I'm going to say next. Um, you know, there's definitely stories of inspiration in this industry, like every other industry. It's just that it feels like our stories aren't told as well because everyone sort of, I feel, sometimes people just view the beverage industry as just, oh, it's a way to party and have fun. And you know, it's not really anything much more than that. Um, so when I, as Kitty knows, a few years ago, for many years, I, I had planned, I really wanted to become an importer of, of French wines. I mean, that was sort of the end game of getting in sales for mm. many years. So in the mm. last few years, I started to explore this and I have, my passion is Provence. I believe in Southern France for a variety of reasons, we'll discuss the future. And a few years ago, I went and really this was my, my kind of mission to go meet producers and see what's available and all that. And made all these appointments and I can hold my own with French barely enough to get there. Um, there's not much English being spoken there. So made about seven or eight appointments and five of the seven were female winemakers. Mm-hmm. And it, I just was struck by that. And a couple of them didn't speak English and it was just really, I mean, the whole thing, you know, tats and nose ring and like 25 year old female winemakers. And I just remember like, this is, this is progressive. This, I want to be in, then I'm thinking, I just want to represent female winemakers from Provence. And <laughs> like, this is so cool, you know? And that's the kind of thing because talk about, they're not drinking fearlessly. They're living fearlessly. They yeah. don't care. And that, I love that spirit. There's something that really spoke to me about yeah. that. That I really haven't thought about until lately about who are the female winemakers. There's not, there's not a lot. And there's yeah. no reason, right? Because <laughs> why, why difference does it make? Sexism is the reason. It's well, like not. I mean, you know Capitalism about. and sexism, but there's no, it's yeah, not like wine has a gender. Paradigm, yeah. Yes. <laughs> 
those are the things. No big deal. Um, exactly. And you know, and even time with me about my journey in the wine industry and you know, just becoming a certified sommelier and all of the <laughs> all that entails. Um, not only going through it, but how people perceive me and how people, you know, within the industry, how people perceive each other. And I just, mm -hmm. I don't have time for it. I'm, I'm getting, I'm too mm -hmm. old in a beautiful way. And it always boils down to, to me, when people ask me, you know, thousands of tastings, consumer tastings that Kitty and I have done, you know, we're the ones at the grocery store asking if you want a sample. That, that's what mm -hmm. we do. You know, is it okay if I put an ice cube in my wine? I'm like, I don't care. Absolutely. Sure. You know, of course, mm -hmm. buy my wine. But the amount of people we know in the industry are like, oh, I can't believe like, oh, I, oh. it's like, Dude, be quiet. If they want to put an ice in their wine, why does this bother you? Who cares? Yeah. And for me during COVID, and listen, then it came to me when it comes to something called White Claw, when I, <laughs> on my high horse, that's not a beverage, it's Zima, what blah, do you blah, mean? it's killing wine sales, COVID, <laughs> please, I told you, I've made a cocktail, the Manch Vegas. It is raspberry oh. wine, White Claw, and Crystal Light pink lemonade it's the bet over ice in a wine glass with a straw I love it right? <laughs> it's so good because who cares that's it's drinking fearlessly so good <laughs> yes not, let alone in southern france which i forgot yeah uh, un piscine de rosé oh right that's the pool. swimming pool of rosé <laughs> if you get a wine glass fill it with ice you pour rosé over it right? <laughs> they don't care i mean this is yeah you know, this is sort of all of what i'm saying is what i think all of what we're both saying i think you know really narrow down the mission specifically, but I feel it's all within this big sphere, which we're talking about. Of, yeah. um, I guess living fearlessly and this industry as a vehicle to do it. Yeah. You know, so there we have Amazing. it. Kitty, any, any other kind of final notes before we log off our first, I mean, like 4.0. First, fourth, take. Take four. <laughs> Well, no, I'm just so excited to be getting going and I think it's going to be great fun and a fantastic, you know, hopefully we'll, everyone who's listening will agree and enjoy learning about wine and cocktails from us. Let's all learn together. Yeah. Let's all learn together. And by all means, um, I can speak for Kitty. We may say things that may not be correct and we just forget. Sometimes when you, yeah, we're gonna you kind of forget you and you're in just, just sort of like you hear something yeah. that may have been a fact and suddenly years later it becomes one. Um, you know, sure. give us some comments. We'll bring you guys, we'll give you guys a <laughs> shout out. We will always correct ourselves. It's about how can we all elevate and just learn mm -hmm. and have fun. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's, love it. that's all I got. I love it. All right, let's chime for the music. It's the disco. Time for on. the music. Here let's comes the disco. All right, guys. Thank all right. you. All right. Bye, Kitty. Bye, man. <laughs>